Hello and welcome to this week's Next Sense Institute podcast. My name's Trudy Smith and I'm your host for this week and I'm the manager of continuing professional education at the Next Sense Institute. Now I heard these two speak last this week at the Roundtable Conference and I'm so excited to bring their content to you. I've got Erica and Stu with me now. Can you please introduce yourselves to the audience? Oh, Trudy, that's a lovely introduction. My name is Erica Tandori. I'm the artist in residence at the Biomedicine Discovery Institute at Monash University. I work with Professor Jamie Rossjohn at his lab. Um, I'm a legally blind artist and I help uh, Jamie create exhibitions for people who have low vision or blindness. And we take those exhibitions across Australia and virtually to the world. Thanks, Erica. And Stu? Uh, hi, my name is Stu Favilla. Um, I'm a lecturer in interaction design at the School of Design and Architecture, Swinburne University of Technology. Um, yeah, I, I'm really kind of an unemployed jazz musician um, who's finding their way in the world doing uh, lots of things with software and computer music. Great to have you with us. As a jazz musician who's not working in that profession, um, it's, great. it's always nice to find something else that we can do so we can maintain our jazz habit on the side, Stu. I'm, I'm wondering, is there a, why is there a need to create accessible scientific content? There is a really big gap. I, I think um, when I came to join Jamie's lab in 2018, he had, he had realised that we had outreach at universities for, for kids from high school, you know, for university students, for, for people who are interested, but there was nothing about the beauty of the electron microscope or crystallography, nothing that showed them, showed people with low vision or blindness, the exquisite detail of cells and cellular structures and interactions. So um, I helped him create the first exhibition with scientists and uh, it was really absolutely incredible and it, it was probably the first in Australia and it was a really big success because this was now finally a, a group of people who were just not addressed out there in 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 the community um, and I think from right from the bottom right from you know primary school all the way through to um, careers that there's not enough representation of people with low vision or blindness who um, are, you know, are in dialogue or have education or um, employment in STEM. And this was a way to really, you know, break that. Fantastic. Yeah, the, com the community of, of people with low vision and blindness are, are actually really well educated and uh, which isn't borne out in the, in the employment opportunities. So I think Erica's touched on something really vital there. But the other thing that's really interesting to me is all of the people with low vision blindness that actually work in science and have worked in science and the ways that they've coped with uh, data and understanding data. Yeah. And uh, there's uh, uh, many uh, burgeoning uh, fields in uh, interaction design, for example, and computing, um, data sciences and computing, um, which touch on this idea of, of using sound and tactile uh, modes of uh, communicating data and and these are really fascinating and cogent areas of research mm. at the moment and forming a, a dialect called a multi-sensory display um, which is a large umbrella it takes into account all sorts of unusual interactions uh, sensory substitution um, things which uh, many of us have, have seen if we're watching TED talks and 
uh, all, the, all the amazing um, devices that are coming into uh, the disabilities. Mm, absolutely. So Erica, what's involved in creating the concrete materials for projects like you're doing? Yeah, it's absolutely hands-on. So Stu is a jazz musician and I'm an artist, so a visual artist, a legally blind visual artist. So I'm really getting where we need to actually be creating something concrete that it's, it's not just, you know, going through the visual input. It's actually stimulating you in other ways. You can touch it, feel it, interact with it. Um, so we're creating all these kinds of multimodal kind of interactions um, to really get people you know what get people excited about biology and um, it is really it is a, a fantastic field um absolutely fascinating so what we did we we got a grant um with national science week last last year and we um but I, i'd already been sort of doing prototypes of this kind of thing and and in our exhibitions we were creating hands-on models and you know making them by hand um we did have 3d and the, they do have 3d um you know protein structures and things in the lab but what i did when i came in as an artist was i created sculptures and then with Stu, we're sort of layering these sculptures and things with um interactions and software and computing and whatnot um but if we go back to the multi-sensory books that we created for National Science Week, they're A3, large A3 books, and they're laminated with, with laminated pages. They've got tactile artworks on them of, you know, cellular structures, you know, vitamin A's and vitamin B metabolites. And, you know, I've done little diagrams of the, of the gut, you know, the large intestine and the small intestine and the the liver or a diseased liver. And you can actually feel all these things and you can explore the different surfaces which will convey deeper meanings and ways of knowing and understanding um, and exp exploring these concepts. So the way we actually made the books was I got in contact with all the beautiful scientists at, at Monash um, who specialised in the topic of the gut biota and things because the book was about, um, you know, gut health and, and the immune system. And um, and so then I worked with the scientists on writing the text um, and then started creating really salient little, little artworks that would sit in the books. Uh, and then Stu overlays these books then with interactions using fiducials, which he can talk to, to you about that. And so you're going to have a multi-sensory experience of, of opening a book, which was really be began from the ground up using foam core. So, you know, because the, the, the books are quite light, but they're big. Um, but really, in reality, they're a miniature exhibition in a book. Um, so in one way, they're big for a book, but pretty small for an exhibition. And you can, you can hold this in your hand. It can be an exhibition for one or for two, or you can have them, you know, 10 of them in a room, um, which is how we're thinking of having them set up. And um, I think that... The books are just, they're concrete, yes, you know, you can hold them, but we can then deliver them in different ways, you know, via the internet, you can do the content in different ways, we can have interactions with them. Um, so I think using computing and internet and software and things that we can then lay into the books, there'll be, there'll be a lot of other um, ways of actually approaching it and, the, and other ways of distributing the content that's in there and changing the content, uh, updating it. 
Sure. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest, as a solid person, I want to touch the difference between a, a healthy liver and a, a diseased liver yeah. as well. It just sounds like I want to get my hands involved. It sounds amazing. Yeah. But I know that it's not just a tactile experience, too, that there's music and, and the auditory experience as well. Can you tell us a little bit about what was involved in, in developing that work? Oh, yes. Um, that, that's that's uh, been evolving over a few years. Uh, first of all, when COVID came along, it shut down all of our exhibitions. Uh, this is one of the reasons why we're making books. Um, we, we were also looking at changing our format um, because the exhibitions back then so beautiful and so wonderfully laid out people would come in and they wouldn't touch anything it sort of they bring with them all of that uh, tradition of going to the national gallery and security guards in the corner you know don't touch and uh and so no one put their hands on anything um and then um, erica went through this phase of trying to get them to touch things and coating everything with goop and uh, <laughs> olfactory things and stuff and, uh, and at Swinburne, I was um, trying to make an olfactory sport, would you believe? I was, I was looking at, uh, you know, how uh, in dementia research, uh, you can release uh, odours and, and uh, sweet-smelling uh, uh, delightful odours into a room, change uh, people's outlooks. And uh, so I was trying to work out how much odour and all of this kind of stuff. And when I, was, when I saw Erica's work, I knew I had to collaborate. Um, with, with her. <laughs> um, so anyway, well, the, mad the, scientist is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 mad, that's artist, right. mad scientist. <laughs> so one one of our exhibitions got cancelled and it had to go online, and and I just thought, oh, like that's going to be a different experience. How how can we make that uh, an experience? And uh, so one of the things that we did was we did a workshop online as. Uh, letting people uh, learn how to make a really high detailed model in their own kitchen using couscous and glue and um, bits of chicken wire and all sorts of things. We were making viral capsids. And uh, oh, how do you do that for someone who's got low vision and blindness? So we did an audio only version mm -hmm. and I introduced Erica to this idea of 3D audio over headphones. Mm -hmm. Mm. Uh, and uh, we used a, a dummy head microphone of mine, um, who's affectionately known as Headley. And uh, and Erica did, and, and I introduced Erica to this weird kind of audio fetish that's online called uh, uh, ASMR, or the Autosensorial Meridian Response. And it's all about uh, capturing 3D sound around your head and around your shoulders or whatever. And some people get a little tingle up and down their spine from these uh, ASMR videos. Well, we did ASMR science, and yeah. uh, I think we might have been the first people on the planet to actually do oh. something so dumb. Um, <laughs> but it but it turned out to be really good fun and really really interesting. And yeah. uh, and so we started thinking about what else could we do with audio. And of course, you can um, pass data into audio forms of data, which is uh, uh, really easily done. And uh, the the other thing that I, I do a lot of is um, stuff like this. And that's that's actually a, an analog synthesizer that's on at the moment in my room. And that's what it that's what it has to say at the moment. And it will slowly evolve over the day without me actually even touching it. It's kind of organic. Um, but I'm really into algorithms and patterns and all, all these things and uh, you know the the audio sense is really good at pattern recognition but the, mm. the the trick is to get the data 
into a stream of audio that people can um, understand readily. Right. You and really so, go started, ahead, Erica. Yeah. So I was just going to say, because what, what Stu just played then is so reminiscent of, of what's happening in the gut. <laughs> so you've overlaid the models that erica was creating with sound is, is that what's happened Stu? yeah there's all sorts of things that we did we we first of all we were at that time we were working on viruses so we started off with rna sequences and we would take the sequence off the um uh, protein bank library and it would just be all of this crazy stuff you know c g a t you know, in, in all sorts of myriads of sequences. And then if you can work it out, every 60,000 letters, the sequence will repeat. Um, and uh, so we, we were looking at how to machine learn those um, using these things called Markov chains, because they were, that was, there was a machine learning algorithm that was uh, experimenting with making viral mutations. And it was around about that time that COVID happened, which was timely for mm. us. Mm. Um, but we started uh, taking these, mapping these uh, 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 protein uh, letters to colors and making visual displays and using little Arduino things and LEDs to try and embed uh, uh, visual things into Erica's work. And then the natural transformation is to put it into sound mm -hmm. and to make these streams of uh, protein structures. And the, it, the, the sound becomes quite an, an interesting metaphor because um, mm -hmm. Uh, it, so much music can actually be uh, machine learned and uh, it's a compositional uh, tool now uh, that's widely accepted for, you know, back in Bach's day, you had to invert retrograde, you know, they, they were pretty clever. But uh, these days we, we actually do machine learning and um, uh, create endless permutations of things in real time. And uh, so uh, all of those things kind of came into play. And then we, we got very excited when another colleague from the States actually got a paper in Nature doing um, a string quartet like this. Mm. <laughs> we thought, yo, see, it's a <laughs> yeah. technique, you know, we're yeah. not just diddling around with our time. Um, yeah. And the amazing thing is in the field of uh, uh, molecular biology itself, um, this uh, transformation of uh, protein data into sound mm. is now being used as a, a preparation prior to machine learning, to you know, scientific machine learning. So there's there's uh, there's something about sound that's um it's just magic for uh, understanding data of another kind. Look what we've done to the books or in the books. We've we've kind of wedded artistic forms, biological forms sound, technological approaches. It's incredible. The books, you can open them up to a whole new world in so many different ways. You can approach the content in the books. Um, I think it has an, an enormous potential, mm, whether it's the classroom or whether it's, um, you know, general exhibitions or you know, I, I think I think we're on to something, <laughs> Stu. Oh, I I'm convinced you are, absolutely. <laughs> but I, I do want to just take a sidestep for a moment. I understand there was some singing involved. Um, yes, yeah, so... I if you can tell us a bit about that, Erica. Um, so, la so in 2021, it was the United Nations um, Year of Fruits and Vegetables. Mm -hmm. Um 
And so the, uh, the, the grant that we um, wrote was to write, to write a science book called My Goodness, um, a multisensory book exploring immunity and, and the gut biota. And we thought, my goodness, you know, I can just really hear that as a song. So one one night we just sat down and wrote the lyrics and Stu wrote the music and then we recorded it. <laughs> I love it. It's not just sound, it's voice as well. It's, it's voice as well. And it, it's kind of like a little, you know, like you can open, I can imagine you open the book and you hear, you know, the chorus. And and then I can imagine kids singing about the gut biota and like this <laughs> pop song and getting really excited about learning about the gut biota through this little pop song that they can learn in the classroom with all the other kids. <laughs> Just like they can learn their science, they can learn how to do music, then they can make the artwork. There's so yeah, much look, we, got, we, we, we did get carried away, I, I will admit, be the first to admit that. Um, Erica had a, a mushroom record deal back in the day oh. and and I worked as a, a an album producer for for a number of years and uh, I guess that that combined um, when yet another exhibition was shut down due to COVID <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, well, what are we gonna do like how well, can how, how do you do a book launch how do you do a multi-sensory book launch you know and so this idea kind of evolved quite quickly and it was done super fast like we, we were cancelled two weeks out from that exhibition and we had to come up we came out with that song basically in a night and then um and did it and i don't know how we did it we just kind of had some fun and egged yeah. each other on um, but when, my, when my son heard me doing the rap he said dad you've got to redo your rap because you're going to be cancel cultured <laughs> Uh, and he, he, well, he couldn't understand that when I when I had to do a rap in front of a microphone, you go down into yourself and you channel your inner rapper, and mm -hmm. that inner rapper sounds like Snoop Dogg. Um, it, like, be it honest, Snoop Dogg has some of the smoothest rapping in, in the industry, but there are a few fruity words, perhaps. That... Yeah, but I think I think my son, you know, uh, was thinking that I was more the pale male and style variety of, of ah, academic no rapper, and and, yeah. and there's a bit of cultural appropriation going on there, but. I don't know. It's just how I rap. And uh, that's Channeling the gut biota. <laughs> I think you were telling your inner gut biota. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. I thought you did a top job. And and we actually just, we wrote the song the night before and recorded it the next day. It's impressive. Yeah, it was impressive. great. It was great so fun. Yeah. The yeah. question has to be asked, how do we access the song, the, all of this content? Is there a way that, that we can, is there a website or is there some way that we can go to, to access all of this content? Yeah, there is. For a start, you can go to the Ross John Lab website and you click along a tab called Sensory Science um, and you'll find, um, I think the song is embedded in the book launch video there. Mm -hmm. Um I'm not sure if we've got it up as a sing as a single. <laughs> <laughs> we will absolutely put that link in the show oh, notes. Oh, I think we just have to make follow a video that. For we're you. all going to have to follow that rabbit hole now. Yeah, absolutely. we have to make a video. <laughs> absolutely. So look, we'll yeah, it's out. it's yeah. something you can do. It's something you can do. So I guess the gauntlet is down, and we expect <laughs> to see uh, uh, more following. I, I think, to be honest, you we all desperately want to hear that rap now, and Erica's beautiful photo. Oh yeah, so. the rap. We've got to hear that. <laughs> so where. We're out of COVID. Where are you oh, oh. directing your talents next? Uh, 
Well, I guess uh, out of COVID is is a is an opinion, um, and who knows? The the uh, we look at the Omicron strain, and uh, we still don't know where it came from. There, we still have theories about it. Was it an, an immunosuppressed person in in Africa that was bubbling away mutations for eight to nine months, or was it just a zoonotic transfer to and from people to rats? The, there, there were a whole lot of features that were discovered in zoonotic transfers to rats um, in research studies in Europe, and five of those mutations are in Omicron. So there's there's compelling evidence there for uh, the genie of of COVID to to come out of the bottle again and again and again. There are deer, there are hippopotami, there are all all sorts of species as well as uh, the, the 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 friendly uh, household cat that can catch COVID and cook up something. And now there's a rat, which is, oh, that's just so plague, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So um, who knows what what will be dealt to us in the future? Mm. Uh, it would be lovely just to think that everything's going to go endemic and the way the Spanish flu went. But I, I note that, you know, in 1929, people were still dying of the Spanish flu, and that was a, a, a decade. Decade later, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah but, after but, what the, I, but what I wonder is... Will, will there be the interactive book? Yeah, there will be. So I think, <laughs> yeah, so, well, definitely. I think definitely we've, we've got, I mean, there's, there's a lot of work to do, really, Trudy, to, to make, um, uh, you know, um, this research accessible for everyone, to make exhibitions about so many aspects of, of our, um, of health in society, um, you know, biology, make it accessible to everyone through the multimodal forms that we're developing. And maybe because of what we're doing, we can find many varied platforms to actually deliver it on. So if there are, God forbid, you know, more shutdowns and plagues and, and whatnot, that we can get, we can, we can still keep getting access out there. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you two are going to be a very interesting space to watch in the future and, and really appreciate your time sharing this with us today. We're going to share the links so that people can follow up. I suspect you will hear a lot from people with more questions about this. But for now, I really appreciate you taking the time to share this all with us. Thanks so much. Oh, it's an honour. Thank you so much, Trudy. Really wonderful to chat with you today. Thanks, Trudy. Thank you.